Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the PI Programs team at Vizient. I'm Courtney Fro White, Senior Performance Improvement Program Director here at Vizient, and your host for today's episode. The COVID-19 pandemic has dramatically changed many aspects of the healthcare delivery system, including the use of electronic health record and patient portal. Although electronic communication offers patients an alternative to -to face-to-face office visits when clinically appropriate, healthcare systems are challenged with how to effectively manage patient-initiated communication through the electronic patient portal. Increasingly, payers are acknowledging this change in culture and are classifying in-depth messages as e-visits. E-visits are billable medical encounters that require medical decision-making and at least five minutes of the provider's time over a seven-day period. We'll be discussing some early findings from the Patient-Initiated Portal Communication Project that is a collaboration between Vizient and the Association of American Medical Colleges, commonly referred to as the AAMC. Danielle Carter, Senior Program Specialist, Access and Clinical Innovations with the AAMC, co-led this project work with me, and together we'll share key insights from this work. Danielle, welcome to the podcast. Courtney, I'm so excited to be here today and share about our latest project. It's clear that this is an important topic and something that health systems are really struggling with. I totally agree with you. One of the great things is being able to have an outlet to share this information. So I'm really excited as well. Vizient and the AMC partnered to understand the different ways that health systems are responding to patient-initiated portal communication and the usage of e-visits and its impact on the quintuple aim, equity, quality, patient experience, care team experience, and costs. Danielle, why don't you kick us off and explain how did we define e-visits? There's several CPT codes and G codes that serve as these e-visit codes, which are the non-face-to-face patient-initiated communication through an online patient portal. And these codes are used by some organizations to bill for messages between patients and providers in the patient portal. So just a regular message between a patient and provider. But several institutions have also implemented condition-specific questionnaires or structured-based exchanges that for this project were calling formal e-visits. Maybe you could share a little bit more about the data we looked at regarding e-visits. AAMC and Vizient partnered together to look at data within the Clinical Practice Solution Center billing database. Within this database, in the years of 2020, when these codes just started through 2022, we were able to analyze the billing practices of 78 clinical practice plans and their use of the e-visit billing codes by looking at the CPT and G codes. And these visits are described as non-face-to-face codes for patient-initiated digital communications that require a clinical decision that otherwise typically would have been provided in an office visit. These services are covered in all types of locations, including the patient's home and in all regions of the country. In addition to the CPSC billing data, we also launched a survey across Vizient and AAMC member organizations. This member survey was designed to gather qualitative and quantitative information about care delivery models and approaches to address that patient-initiated electronic communication for both organizations that are billing and not billing for those patient-initiated portal messages. Some of the topics we covered in the survey included the patient portal utilization, structures and workflows for the different types of messages, including e-visits, data and metrics, provider and patient satisfaction, equity, return on investment and billing, that provider engagement and compensation, and also challenges, successes, and lessons learned. 
Based upon that CPSC billing data we had and the member survey answers, we then selected organizations that included billing and non-billing for those portal messages or e-visits from across the United States to have in-depth interviews that included clinicians and administrators to really understand their approach, infrastructure, strategies, and barriers around patient-initiated portal communication. Maybe, Danielle, we can discuss some of those motivations for offering e-visits and billing for them. These structured exchanges that we talked about, the formal e-visits is what we're calling them, have been implemented by several health systems who are trying to find new sources to expand access to care. And specifically for e-visits, a lot of these health systems view them as a way to efficiently gather patient information before sending a question on to a physician or APP to respond. The reasons then for these health systems to bill for these services is it is a increased and more timely way to provide access to care and a source of revenue for providing these services. One of the key things to remember is this work can and should be, according to the codes, equivalent to the medical decision making that would be done in an in-person service. The thinking from these health systems is that they should bill like any other service. And then the last piece to remember is there are some health systems who are implementing these e-visits in a way where it's going to a specific pool of providers that are tasked with the service. Billing for these helps cover the salary or dedicated FTE and any physician or APP time that is required to provide these services. Those were some motivations, but we also know that organizations express challenges around e-visits. Some of those challenges are incomplete payer coverage. There's only certain insurance payers right now helping to cover e-visits, and some are even talking about removing e-visits and the capability of billing for them. Also, managing patient perception. Patients are thinking, why am I getting billed for just sending a quick message to my doctors? I didn't have to previously. And there's always having to develop new policies and procedures. You also have to get that provider engagement and get them on board and work through workflows with all the staff. A lot of organizations acknowledge that there's some technical limitations with e-visits or even billing for medical advice messages as well. And patient uptake, are patients willing to still send messages knowing that they could be billed for them? There's some dissatisfaction with the utilization of forms or the amount of time it takes to put in the effort to create these workflows or do the billing aspect. And all the documentation requirements that must be met are some of the reasons why organizations feel like the juice is not worth the squeeze. From that, Danielle, let's talk about some of the strategies we learned about to successfully manage patient portal communication. Why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the first one? You actually mentioned it before about the provider engagement piece and around those workflows for e-visits, but this also applies overall to any type of communication or interaction in the patient portal. With the creation of electronic health records, they were set up as solving all of these problems that physicians have and making life easier. And if you talk to a practicing physician, you'll hear a lot of complaints about patient portals and electronic health records. One of the key aspects here is that active feedback and engagement around the value of patient portals. And um, we hear so much about trying to increase signups and engagement of patients in the patient portals, but then you hear from physicians who actually are actively complaining and avoiding and maybe not suggesting their patients sign up for that. What really needs to happen and what we've heard from some health systems who have been successful in this is engaging the providers in the patient portal process in thinking about 
about workflows and how they can be a value add and help instead of increase burnout, actually decrease burnout of these practicing providers. Building off of that, of one of the key steps that needs to be taken is thinking about the routing of messages. At some health systems, every single message that's coming in, every lab value, every message from a patient is going direct to a provider's in-basket. That's just not sustainable. We hear so much about all the pajama time, the time after clinic when they're back at home and having to go into the EHR and answer these messages or route them correctly, review. And this is a big dissatisfier for providers. One of the key ways to tackle this issue has been routing these messages to pools. Rather than going directly to the provider's in-basket, it goes to a pool of different types of members of the care teams depending on the message type. And this can really reduce that burden on the physicians and other practicing providers. It takes some buy-in to make sure they feel comfortable that their messages will be responded to. It's not just going to be a delay in response to their patients. The last piece is thinking about, are there ways that we can and should be providing compensation and adjusting compensation models that acknowledge this in-basket work time, this pajama time that is beyond a typical visit that is required and every physician and care team needs to have part of their workflows? Absolutely. And I agree with you. We heard so much around provider burnout, staff burnout. Those were some great strategies that you outlined there. One of the things that aligns with provider engagement is that patient engagement piece. We heard from some members that simplifying the patient portal build, maybe not having so many options or the options that patients should be utilizing the most are at the top. For instance, refills. What we heard from a couple organizations was that refills was the last option. Patients didn't want to read through the list. So the first one would be send the clinic a message. So they would just do that with the refill message. So that would postpone part of the workflow because the refills were not going to the appropriate staff. So they moved refills to be the first choice and found that by doing this, a lot of patients now were utilizing the correct workflow. And we also heard that soliciting that patient feedback and engagement throughout the process, what we know as patient and family advisory councils or PFACs, a lot of organizations said that they went to these PFACs, had meetings with them and talked through the issues and challenges they were facing and talking about if they were going to start charging for these visits and why and really got some great feedback and buy-in from the patients. From that conversations, then you move into that active education and communication with patients on best ways to access care. This could be creating either pamphlets or marketing materials, some written instructions, but also when you have those patients in front of you, either a telehealth visit or an in-person visit, explaining to them the avenues that they have to access care and what might be a good way for a follow-up visit. Can they do a follow-up visit via an e-visit? We heard that for some specialties, that makes a lot of sense, but engaging that patient so they understand also clear communication around billing. There was challenges that patients were feeling they were billed for any message that they sent to the office. Those that have done this well have really just put some clear disclaimers on their portal, also on their website, and also in the office as a handout and speaking with the patients, letting them know that this is not going to be for every type of visit, but just delineating as much as they can of when a charge would be dropped for this type of message or an e-visit was really found to be beneficial. 
the next strategy really helps underline a lot of things you talked about with patient engagement and what we talked about with provider engagement. We talked about using pools and routing messages, building out those workflows in a way that is utilizing a central pool of providers that are practicing at the top of their license when responding to messages. So thinking appropriately about the types of messages and who should be responding to those. The ease of documentation for billing, that's a really big complaint we hear from some providers, building out workflows that reduce some of that burden. You talked about the refill requests and scheduling. And so thinking about workflows that separate those out to make it easy for the patients as well as them for the care team to correctly route those. And then lastly, what are the workflows that might ease conversion to a more appropriate visit type? Maybe a patient sends a message, but really this needs to have a conversation with the provider. So it should be a telephone visit, or maybe they need to come in and need a physical exam for this issue. So you need to schedule an in-person visit. And so thinking about how can that be done smoothly in a workflow that reduces the burden on the care team. One of the big things that we heard was the whole technology piece. One of the things that we heard was the automated filtering out of thank you responses and other similar type responses from a patient. They said that this could decrease one to two percent of messages coming back to the office, just putting in some filters for these simple response back messages that doesn't have anything clinical in nature can really help to lessen some of the inflow of messages coming to the office. What we're hearing a lot more around is this whole artificial intelligence and how to leverage that for routing of the messages or drafting message responses. Definitely keep a close eye on what's happening around AI. There could be a lot of benefits by utilizing this technology. Danielle, what do you think's been the most surprising thing you learned during this project? I've been shocked by the very different approaches of health systems in trying to tackle this sticky issue of overwhelming volumes of patient portal messages. A lot of health systems, as we talked about, have implemented or are considering beginning to bill for these services. But we've all seen the news articles and publications that show the fear of patients about billing for these services. It's important for us to think about the pros and cons, the different strategies for making this change and its impact on providers and patients. Even for those organizations that we've talked to who have started billing for these services, they've found that just billing for them isn't enough. Billing can be one part of a broader strategy that can help impact and redirect and right-size the types of messages that are coming to providers, and we talked about some of those strategies today. I totally agree with you. I think there's not a one-size-fits-all model. We just are hitting on the surface of this, and it's going to take some time to peel back the layers, having technology catch up to where we need it to be. What we also know is all of that not only takes time, but it takes resources and money. Those are also some concerns that organizations have as well. But the one thing we can definitely say is all the healthcare organizations definitely want to do what's best and provide the best patient care that they can, no matter if they're billing or not billing. Everyone has the patient in their mind, but it's trying to figure out how do you manage all of that. More to come definitely on this topic, but that's all the time we have today. Thanks, Danielle, for joining me and a big thank you to our listeners for taking the time. And please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today 
like us, and send us your comments at picollaboratives at vizianinc.com. For Vizian's PI Programs team, I'm Courtney Furrow-White.